What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. This is exciting. We are closing out the Summer Porch Tour with the banger. We're out in upstate New York on a beautiful property. And um, our co-host for the evening treated us to a, a delicious meal. What name do you want to use for the for the one? Just go with Alex. We're, go, we're going with Alex. Alex, uh, no, <laughs> I was about to just lay it all out there. Alex Blank, you can Alex find him here. Jewy. Here's his career. Please let them know that he has uh, political views that are not the norm. And <laughs> by the way, we're going right right into racist talk because I do think there's some people we got to get rid of from this country. <laughs> uh, so we're and this is where you can find Alex on Facebook and make sure to tweet his employers. No, I'm kidding. So we're out in upstate New York. It's beautiful up here uh your homeowner which we're going to get into in a minute but firstly is you treated us to a delicious steak dinner and 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 you, you, you i think you might have just converted me to eating rare steaks because that was delicious so can you can you lay on us what your steak game is because that was okay. that was a perfect steak all right so the first step is in the grocery store uh you have to pick the right steak i like uh i like either strip steaks or or ribeyes either is fine um those are strips I got the grass-fed ones. They were a little cheaper today at Shoprite. Shoprite's the best supermarket in uh, in the area, and probably your area too. So I recommend them. And I'm not being paid either. Um, so you get you get a good steak. You got to feel it. Make sure it's not like too too stiff or weird feeling. You want it kind of like wait soft. wait. How are you touching steaks to kind of figure out the right texture? Here? You just like two fingers. You, you finger a steak like you. I don't like, it, like. Do you go th- under and up? I don't like, like dip through the the fabric. Right? I just pat them. I just pat them. You give them a little pat. You gotta. And you what, gotta what's feel the, the meat. What what is the texture that you're looking for? That you go. All right, that's a good piece of steak. Like uh, the texture is if you like. Like if you press down on your thigh while you're sitting down. Okay, like so if you, you finger your thigh, <laughs> you see, this is information I actually don't want to know because, my, like, some of the worst of my OCD comes out of me if I'm shopping. Okay. And like, all you know, I, I, I'll walk in, I'll be like, all right, I gotta grab a couple apples, and I will spend so much time buying, like, looking for the perfect apple and like making sure that I have the best apple that, like, I'll exhaust myself and be like, all right, that's we're we're done shopping. I'm not, you know, I'll I'll just eat out for the rest of the week. That's it. So now I've never even considered, it. hey, you got to be pressing down on me to make I mean, sure you're getting listen, a good piece here. You don't have to. It's going to be good regardless. It's just like what I like to do. Okay, but but just for those who are interested. Okay. What? Tell us a little bit more about the pressing strategy. Can you demonstrate on Joey's asshole? <laughs> do, oh, that, uh, the other guy here, my good friend That's more Joey. Like tripe. <laughs> my good friend Joey, who's going to be hanging out with us. Um, I only brought two microphones because I'm a cheap Jew. I don't have money for a third microphone. Maybe we'll get there. Maybe with your listener support, one day we'll be able to have three microphones. But at the moment, we've only got two. But lucky for you, at least we have microphones this week. So it's not like <laughs> last week's, which was a which was a nightmare. So, anyways, you got a finger pressing strategy for steaks. Yes. Lay it on us. Okay, so you just want it. You don't want it to feel too irregular. Like you don't want to feel like the tendons and shit. Just wants to, you want it to feel nice. You want to look for like a nice marbling, not tendons, marbling. Have so, you ever had an attendant come up to you and be like, "Sir, do you mind not touching our steaks?" No, listen, look. <laughs> if you look at people shopping, you know what they're doing. Like, I guarantee you, like, all like chefs, they probably touch the meat. Yeah. Like moms of four probably touch the meat. Like, if like, you see a dude walking over and touching meat, you're like, "That guy knows how to cook a steak." Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and now you fired up a Weber. I respect a man who has a Weber. But not only did we have delicious steaks, I mean, you could be running a fast food restaurant with how quickly you turned around those steaks. Like, I'm not going to lie. I showed up at first and I was like, what the fuck? We're late and this guy doesn't have the food ready. Are you kidding me? I got to wait for this motherfucker to cook the food. Like, I thought that was the strategy of showing up late was that the food would be done so we could get the meal over as quickly as possible and not have to make a lot of conversation and move on to the podcast. And I was like, he didn't even start. You know, I'm sure you've pulled that move at a barbecue where you perfectly show up late because you want the food to be done. You don't have to stand around well, you while they're can't making show it. up on time and just be there with like the person who's barbecue it who's is prepping. and their fucking mother. And, yes. You know, yeah. Well, the worst is when you show up early and then you got to offer to help and they don't even want you there early helping. Right. So you've got that awkward moment where you just have to sit on the couch, almost like you're in detention until other guests show up, and then you got to go in a second that you sure I can't help, and then you just start drinking their booze and leave early. But anyways, <laughs> back to you. You cook these steaks in record time. I want to know the strategy. All right, so you crank that bitch up all the way, high heat, all three burners. Um, uh, for like a nice, like rare to medium rare, I put it on one side, two to two and a half minutes. Um, you know, depending on how, if it's a super thick steak, a little longer, two and a half minutes, flip it back over, another two and a half minutes. You cook those things in five minutes. 
Yeah. Two and a half minutes each side with corn. And then the other thing that kind of put me to shame is, you know, I talk so much about sandwiches, but when someone really puts a great piece of steak in front of you, like, you don't need the bread. You how, do you, how do you feel about a steak sandwich, though? No, I love a steak sandwich. I'm all for a steak sandwich. But, like, a steak sandwich is for different... It's almost for a lower grade it's for piece. for a slice steak. Yeah, yeah, for a slice steak. Or sometimes people pull this move, which pisses me off. They'll say it's a steak sandwich, but it's really... Um, more of a like a roast. It's like a, a roast, roast beef, beef that yeah. they sliced. That pisses, that pisses me off. Me the fuck that off. is not a steak sandwich. I agree. I agree. Get the fuck out of here. Don't go, call, tell me you got a delicious roast beef sandwich. I might be interested, but I'm gonna. I, I want different condiments on there. I want a different it's bread. Just a different, it's not as fatty if it's roast. It's beef. not what I'm it's expecting. Not, it's just warm roast beef. And it's also, skirt up. skirt steak can be. Uh, I love skirt steak, but also like that can be better for sandwich. But the the particular kind of steak that we're eating in there, you're almost violating it if you're throwing that on. Yeah, you know, it's unnecessary. Yeah, no, I agree. I yeah, agree. that's the way to eat that steak. Steak is for more uh, steak sandwiches are for more thinly sliced steak. I would I would definitely agree. Um, so yeah, and that that's basically how you hook up a steak on the grill. Okay, now the next question I have for you, I, listen. Oh, I forgot to tell yes. you the seasonings that I put. Oh, on the steak. please. All right, so just salt, pepper, a little paprika, fucking garlic powder, onion powder. Done. Keep it use simple. Coarse salt, either kosher salt or sea salt. I also respected. I respected this when you put out those steaks. Firstly, we didn't fuck around. There was no, hey, we're going to eat bread before this. There was no, we're going to eat soup before this. We got right into, hey, I've got a good piece of steak here for you. You can eat your piece of steak. Here's the other thing I like. You didn't offer us condiments. You didn't put out condiments. No. You're like, you're going to respect that piece of meat the way I cooked it. And and it lived up to it. I, I, like, I was like, listen, let me try it out. I'll take a bite. And then if I think it needs some barbecue sauce, I'll ask. But it didn't. It was perfect as is. Joey, any comments on that? I agree. It's amazing. Amazing. Okay, so now the next question is, Joey, how nervous were you showing up to a random listener's house out in the middle of fuck nowhere? Like, tell us your thoughts as we as we passed abandoned churches, farmland, dogs on yards, abandoned factories. Just give us your thoughts showing up here with me, knowing that you were going to a person's house who I've never spoken to before ever. Okay, based off Rob, I was like, okay, one of his listeners... Okay, deep breath. We'll see where we're going with this. He sold me, because he's a good sales guy. He sold me on coming. He's like, yeah, we'll go for a hike. We'll get some beer, and then we'll go do a podcast. I'm like, all right, I'm in. But throughout the day, I was like, oh, this could be our last meal. <laughs> I was like, he's probably sharpening his knives right now. There's probably no shot that we're leaving here, and we're not going to survive. And I was nervous. Honestly, on a scale of 1 to 10, my nervous level was... A 9.2. That's a 9.2. That's a 9.2 after taking down multiple beers to get here. So that's not like, that's not a sober 9.2. That's a 9.2 with doing hours of dip, <laughs> spending some time in nature, and taking down three beers. Yeah, I went through two cans of dip on the way here. <laughs> I drank 16 beers on the way up. Um, but yeah, on the way when I was sober, a 10.0. Okay. But after drinking, probably 9.2. I agree. But afterwards... I think we're going to be friends. Yeah. Steak, great. Corn on the cob, great. House, great. Everything's amazing. Cheers. Thank it's you. Cl- it's clicking for Joey. So this is why I usually don't, when, I, when I've done all the summer porch tour episodes, I haven't addressed, hey, is this a weird thing that we're doing? Because we're all salespeople. Number one lesson for sales is if you're uncomfortable, they're uncomfortable. So I was never going to show up to someone's house and be like, hey, is, is what we're doing weird here? That's not what I'm... But now, since he was bugging out the whole time, I want to address how weird is it? Because to me, I like the community feel. I like getting out of New York City. I don't own a nice home. I don't have friends with... I don't have friends with porches. I don't have friends that are inviting me over for fucking steaks. I can throw it out there to the fans. Hey, who wants to hang out and be on for an episode? And every single one of them has been excellent. I've yet to be murdered. But people like you, smart friends like Dave Smith, are like, dude, you're going to get murdered doing this. Who the fuck is listening to my podcast and inviting me to the middle of nowhere f- to murder me? I don't even understand, like, how that's a conceivable risk. Alex, I'm throwing to you. Thoughts here? Uh, I didn't think it was that weird. I thought it was cool. Um, I mean, I listen to you guys, like, all the time, like this show, and a part of the problem, obviously. Um, and I saw it. I was like, I got a fucking porch. I got, like, one and a half porches. <laughs> um, I got so many porches we could be hanging out on. I got this house. Just talking to the mic, right? I, I got this house, yeah. and like we're not that far from the city. So I was like, all right, I'm going to send this motherfucker an email. I tried to be a little silly in the email. And he got back. He's like, all right, come on up. I was excited. Um, when he was sick, he couldn't make it. I was disappointed. Um, but no, it's, it's legit. I didn't think it was weird at all. I don't think it's weird also 
So, Joey, can you give us some more thoughts on why driving up here you're like, because you're right, I sold you. I didn't mention the fact that we were going to, because I, I didn't even think anything of it. I didn't call you up and go, hey, I'm going to a random person's house that I've never t- seen or been to. I just know that he listens to my show and he's going to cook his steaks. Are you in? I left all those details out. You're you're right on that. I sold you because I didn't, I didn't mention any of those, <laughs> any of the little hidden fees in the contract. So... You lay it on me why you think, hey, like, would you recommend to me if I told you I'm doing every episode this way, having come out once and seen that it's reasonable people with delicious steaks, would you say this isn't going to end well? Honestly, I think Alex set the bar really high. I don't think many people can compete with this. He's got one and a half Porsches. His steak was medium rare, on point. He's got um, the corn on the cob. Wow. Wow. Bernie, well, Rob ate this a little weird. Like, he cut it with a Yeah, he a knife. did eat it a little weird. Wait, oh, tell me. That corn cob <laughs> eating strategy. Oh, I, wait, wait. That, was, uh, get, that, was, like, that was like almost like pizza with a fork status. Yeah, I, like I he think. cut it with a knife and didn't eat all of it and also ate steak and corn at the same time. That I, was I like, respect, At that but. point, I was like, I didn't think I was going to get murdered. And then I was like, oh, man, on the drive back, I may get murdered. <laughs> I was like, I'm dead. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm willing to address these allegations. I gotta say, corn and ribs are the two things that I won't really eat because they just get lodged right in my fucking teeth. Even apples, I'm I won't her in. I won't I won't eat apples like straight up. I'll cut up an apple. All those things get stuck in my teeth. If I don't have floss, that is just gonna that it that's gonna irritate me like a hemorrhoid in my mouth. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. when you get like a like a thick piece of corn stuck between two teeth. That's why I don't eat popcorn. Yeah, popcorn. Well, I I, I don't eat popcorn because you know what happens with popcorn. If this happens to me every time I ever go to a movie, you go to a movie and someone else buys a huge thing of popcorn, and you're like, I wish you didn't do that. And then at some point, you know, you're gonna eat one piece of popcorn, and you'll be like, I don't even really like this. And then by the end of the movie, you're gonna eat a whole bucket of popcorn, and then you go to stand up, and you're like, I feel disgusted. Why'd I eat that? Popcorn is one of those I don't even want around me unless it's like one of those really fancy, like chocolate like covered popcorn like kind little, of things. Yeah, it comes with the like, three, like yes. the little, like yeah, the yeah. little like holiday season yes. fucking like popcorn. a dark chocolate yeah. or like a caramel chocolate yeah. popcorn. The cheddar, I'm a, I like the cheddar. Yeah, you take the two cheddars with like one caramel. It's like the perfect salty sweet. That's not bad. The problem with well, the, the, here's what's the most dangerous about when you can rotate from like the sweet to salty is that you your taste buds never get bored. You can just keep yeah, going back and forth and just keep tin. doing it. Um, but I, uh, the problem with the cheesy one is just how it gets all over your hands nah, I don't and fuck. I just you know you have a fuck. That's got right like pants. you can't be at a you can't be at a party and go for the cheesy popcorn, dude. I'll you don't just, give a I'll shit. Do it. I'll fucking... Joey, if you're at a party and they got delicious dude, cheesy back popcorn, in the knee, that's where you wipe it. No yeah. One see it right there. There's, there's no way I'm getting my hands dirty. You know, like putting on, put on a napkin. No, it's not worth I'll it. Go wash my hands. You know. So my corn move, I'm gonna throw it out there. I, I, t- I recommend this to everybody anywhere. Instead of eating corn on the cob, you cut it right off there, and then it gets rid of all those little white pieces that get stuck between your teeth. You're good to eat it. I'll also tell you that you can eat corn like a rice. If you're not eating sandwiches, I promise you, like eating chicken with corn or even steak with corn the way I was doing it, that, that's, like, that, that, that's like eating steak with rice, but it's corn, and it works 100%. And while you guys were judging me, which is hilarious that you guys were both thinking it and didn't say anything, I promise you the next time you eat a steak, try it my way, and you're going to be like, okay, that's a good system. No, but the problem. Okay, here's the here's the problem. So if you're gonna take the time to cook corn on the cob, you can't cut it off. If you want to eat it separate, like go out and buy a can, and that's way different. All right, this is what I would say. It's Listen, an ex- it's an dipping experience. dipping steak is fine. I'm not on board with canned corn, but dipping steak is fine. But if you're gonna dip your steak in corn, you want cream corn, or no. cream spinach, or mashed potatoes. That's oh, you should that's, be in prison. What? You like cream corn? Firstly, cream corn's disgusting. Nah, Secondly, good. I want fucking fresh corn. You cut it off the cob, it's still got the fresh flavor. It's, it's it's different quality corn than what's in a can. And as far as mashed potatoes are concerned, exact same strategy of what I'm doing with the corn. No, but I, get it. I, I get like it. a freshly roasted get corn. It. Get the fuck out of here with your canned corn from a grocery with the delicious steak. I'll eat corn on the cob all day. Off Right off the cob, <laughs> I'll eat the corn off the cob. If you want corn the way you want it, you got to buy it out of a can. Which I don't condone, but I don't respect you. for You could eating buy it in like a bag, though. Like in like the more fresh, Ooh. like the grocery store will just like pre-do it. Yeah, I feel like no. Listen, if you're eating it like that, you gotta cut it off first and then cook it already cut off the cob. Or when you put it in the microwave in the in the same bag and just tells you how long to cook it for, you hit start and I don't it's know done. about this bag. I feel like you're just like getting lots of plastic juice <laughs> when you do that. Yeah, let's stick to the corn on the cob. 
I agree. I just like I never realized that cutting the corn off the cob was such offensive behavior. I never thought a host would I be wasn't like offended. I was just like I was like, all right, that's an interesting strategy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm I'm throwing it out there for the listeners. You know, we'll put up a Twitter poll about how nervous would you be if you saw somebody at a meal table doing that? Is that one of those things you'd be like, what the fuck's wrong with that guy? And I also implore you, we're all about experiencing life from new lenses, new angles, experimenting, see what works for you. So before you say this is a terrible idea, try it out. I promise you, you're not going to get corn stuck between your teeth. You get a better flavor profile in that you're not going back and forth what are you gonna take bites of corn keep in your mouth and then put a piece of steak in there that's insanity you know what i mean there's no other way to get good corn and steak flavor together joey you didn't think these things through it's you know as a skinny guy you decided to comment on what has nothing to do with you i feel like that's like yeah eating like a chicken wing with a fork and knife though tell me you do that too I don't like chicken wings for the same. I don't okay. like getting my face all, right. all dirty. So, so I get it. It's yeah. like a theme. Everyone has like a thing with food. Yeah. So that's, that's your thing. You just don't like it. I had acne in high school. I don't like a dirty face. I don't like uh, sauce all over me. I also don't even really eat ribs for the same reason. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Or if I'm eating ribs, it's a home game activity. Or I love a soft rib where it's already melted off the bone. Like a short rib where you can yeah. eat it with a fork and knife. What I'm about like KFC, that. like chicken on the bone? You don't fuck with that either? Nah, I've never really done KFC. But I always prefer just like the, you know, the, 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 chicken cutlet on, on some bread like, or sandwich or some shit yeah 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 100 percent any day of the week all right then we topped it off with um which is an odd dessert choice donuts are almost only good as their own thing but these fresh apple cider donuts that you guys are cooking up up here was a perfect compliment for for post steak yeah i mean uh the cider donuts is a staple of uh this part of the part of the world uh, there's a lot of places to get them. Everyone has like their own little cider spice blend, but these were fucking on point. Perfect uh, consistency. All Fresh, right. Probably freshly done today. So now let's talk about home ownership because okay. I think that there's a, like when you live in New York and you just go out to rural areas, there's this feeling as you're driving past everybody's house of what the fuck do these people do? Because I think that there's almost like a misguided thought or like a elitist feeling of living in New York that you th- kind of think it's a mind fuck. You think the only jobs exist in New York. And if you're not there, good jobs don't exist and there's no industry anywhere else. And that when you show up to rural areas and you see kind of like houses in the middle of nowhere, you're like, what the fuck do these people do for a living? So my question for you is not, I know that you got a, a decent sales gig and you sell media and you're only a half hour away. But what do you find most people like in this area are doing for, you know what, I, I'm sure when yeah. you lived in the city, you probably had the same feeling. You show up to areas like this and you're like, how do you live out here? Well, I, I grew up in the suburbs, like more suburban than this, like closer to the city. Um, but I mean, around here, um, you know, this area had IBM and like basically everyone you talk to, like they either worked at fucking IBM or they know someone who worked how at IBM. How far was IBM from here? IBM, there was like a bunch of them, like all around this area. Right. On the Hudson Valley. Um, and you know, either, either someone got laid off by IBM or their spouse got laid off by IBM. Someone, you know, someone who fucking got laid off by IBM around here. So I know there's a lot of engineers around here, a lot of engineering, um, a lot of tradesmen, you'll run, you know, electricians, plumbers, that sort of thing. Um, working in this area or servicing bigger cities? No, working, working in this area. Yeah. Um, (laughs) go a little farther South from here. People are still, you know, commuting to the city. Like, uh, I know Metro North runs all the way up to Poughkeepsie, so people right. will commute to the city all the way from there. That's a night. That's got how long is that train ride? An hour thirty. Yeah, an hour thirty, two hours. Yeah, that's basically like going to New Haven. That sucks. Yeah. yeah, it sucks balls. Um, I don't do it, but I had growing up, I had friends. The only parents. way to do that, and here's the problem with Metro North: it's hard to get a seat in the morning, but you have to. You have to make that your sleep time almost. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you get on that train where you're waking up so early you're tired and you can actually get a seat and go to sleep and like you do that in both directions, you're okay. Or you got to be a dude who um, like actually can legitimately get work done on the train or for the train ride home every day, you got to be getting fucking hammered. You got to be treating that thing like it's a bar. Uh, I mean, I guess if you worked like remote, like part of the week, it wouldn't be that bad going a couple of days, but I couldn't do it. That's for sure. I don't know. There's local industry, you know. People own businesses. They're, you know, they do like I do. They fucking work in media, some other kind of semi-technical job, banks and shit like that. And then do all kinds of things. The other thought is like, what what do people do with their time? 
And then if I think about it, I don't leave my apartment if it's not work-related. I mean, I'll spend... If I don't have, like, comedy spots and I don't have, like, work to do, I won't leave my apartment for 30 days. And, like, I mean, my apartment sucks. It's the worst place to just hang... Like, at least you got property. So the idea of, hey, I don't do anything outside of work is at least a more luxurious lifestyle where you're living than where I'm living. But there still is that thought where you're like, oh, in New York City, there's so much to do. Would you agree with me? You drive around up here and you judge the people like, oh, you must not have friends or anything to do around here. And then I think of my lifestyle. I'm like, well, I don't have that either. And at least these people <laughs> live in a nice space. But I am curious to know, are there other people in this area that you guys are friends with? Or like, is there a bowling alley? Like, what the fuck do you <laughs> got? Or do you just always just get hammered and play video games in the house? And I mean, we'll play a lot of video games, but, you know, we'll do whatever. We'll go see a movie. Uh... There's a, a comedy club not too far. We'll go there sometime. Which oh, is that the one in Pick Laugh yeah, It Up or in whatever? Poughkeepsie, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll uh, I, we do a lot of shit outside. Like we we'll go hiking. Uh, I like to ski. I fucking in the in the winter. I get free tickets from work. I go like every weekend. Where uh, which mountain? Whiteface? Uh no, that's that's far. I'll take day trips to like Bel Air, Wyndham, Hunter. Stuff, okay, stuff like that. Um, it's within a dry an easy drive. Um, and just sometimes we'll go to like Mount Snow or some shit in Vermont. Right. Um, How far is Mount Snow from here? Mount Snow is like three hours. That's not bad. Mount Snow is the best. Um, I haven't been there in years, but Mount Snow is the kind. It's like the best of the small mountains. I'm more of a. I like Okemo better than Snow. Yeah, well, Okemo's for, further. It's Okemo's, about the, from here, it's about oh, the same. Okay. Pico, Pico's a real small I've mountain. Been, yeah. I've never been to Pico. That's, Pico, Pico is Killington's sister mountain. Okay. Well, actually, it, the best small mountain to me, I love Mad River Glen. That's my favorite mountain. It's tiny and it's difficult as all hell. I mean, every trail there is comparative to the double black somewhere else. Like that, that mountain is hard as hell. It's one of the only mountains I've ever been to. Like usually, you know, I go up and I'm just down. This thing, it's like it can take me 40 minutes to get down and I have to take a break. That that mountain's hard as hell. Um, but I, I guess when I meant like smaller mountains, I was thinking like your hunters or what's closer. Sure. But I guess closer to me in Connecticut is not the same as closer. Yeah, to I knew here. some. I knew some people from out in Fairfield County, um, and they would go to the Vermont Mountains because it was just as far as the Catskill Mountains. Uh, there's a little one in the Catskills called Platykill that's pretty sick. Um, if you like like skiing in the trees and doing like kind of like off the the beaten path shit, I like going there. It's like the two lifts. Like, never a line. It's sick. Uh, now, um, yeah. What else do we do around here? All right. Well, the other thing was you said you had some good sandwich talk for us. Okay. You had some things that you wanted to recommend for the people out there or some things that you wanted to take issue with that we've been reporting on. Okay. So, I just, I was thinking, like, what kind of sandwiches would Rob like? Um, and I was at a Vietnamese place the other day. Interesting. And I had a banh mi. Have you ever had a banh mi? No, lay it on me. What All is right. a banh mi? So, a banh mi, it's on French bread. Okay. Because okay. they had... A lot of French people like a in French Vietnam. Baguette or? Yeah, it's like a okay. baguette. Um, it's on French bread, um, and it's like the it's either pork or beef, like thinly shaved beef, or like um, the Koreans got good sauces, so I'm into this already. Okay, so or like marinated pork. There's this might lose you, but okay. this might make the sandwich for you. There's like a thin schmear of pate on there. What is pate? Pate's chicken like, liver. Yeah, I'm not Ch that into liver. No, but listen. Yeah, it's just like a thin smear. It just like adds to the richness. And then there's like uh, slaw vegetables almost, like okay. chopped vertically. Yeah. Um, and there's like lemongrass or something, so it has like this almost like effervescent, like just like flavor when you bite into it. And then like a sweet, like Asian-y sauce. Yeah, I'm not into it. Dude, I'm telling it you, It sounds like something it. they were torturing Americans uh, with. Dude, and, no, know, no, 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 that no. Was, yeah, that was what the Viet Cong was doing. Listen, if, they're, if, you're by, if you're passing a Vietnamese place, they're usually like five or six butts, because they're like, you know, maybe like yeah. five, six inches sandwiches. Um, just try it one day. I get it's concerned good. with um, Vietnamese food, uh, and here's why. Firstly, I don't like those sweet sauces that much. Okay. Uh, and I also don't. I don't really love. Okay, Asian fried food makes me nervous that it's just gonna fuck so up my stomach. Like you don't I almost like Chinese food. Almost what never. What kind of Jew are you? Like, I almost never eat Chinese food. It's just it, it's like it's too. They're doing too much. Like even sesame chicken, which I used to eat. If firstly, Asian food always always had that jam where oh, when you dude. eat it, you get filled up quickly. And you're, then like, you're breaking my heart right now. Like, I swear, <laughs> I love Chinese food. He wants to shut it down. He's like, give me back that steak I served you. <laughs> you throw that steak up right now. I'm glad I didn't put any soy sauce on that motherfucker. So you, you know what? The other thing is the um 
I, I like to eat close to home because I'm a nervous Jewish okay. person, and uh, I want to be able to take a shit. If I overeat, I want to be home. That, that's the way they I They don't have Chinese delivery in fucking no, New York City? I, give me, give me a break. Come I on. know that they do. I'm telling you, the one place close to my apartment, where the one time I was there, it was a signif- It was like 10 tiers down from the other food I'm eating in my area. Okay. So I'm just not a frequent Chinese food eater because if I'm eating Chinese food, that's got to be a home game activity. There's not like 17 Chinese restaurants by your house? Maybe, maybe I haven't experimented with the Chinese enough. Or maybe I'm a little too in love with my pizza shop guy. Dude, growing up who, as, a, yeah. as a Jewish person in the New York metro area, you did not eat Chinese food all the time? Not not a ton of it. Not a ton of it. In high school, there used to be, an, um, like, the, this, the college used to sell these big Chinese platters for like five bucks, and we used to load up on the sesame chickens. That was our jam in high school on Tuesday nights. Okay. Uh, but aside from that, not, not a ton of Chinese food. Also, I kept kosher back in back in. Yeah, the, but that's the thing. Like, yeah. they don't use any cheese in Chinese food. So, that's like, true. if you order, like, a chicken. Just a lot of oil, MSG, the and MSG other is things that's going to that make shit you shit. doesn't do anything to you. That shit's... <laughs> Just like regular salt. All right, so the Vietnamese okay. sandwich, I'm giving you a fill on that one. All right, but just But it's okay because it. your steak was so delicious that I do tr- I do trust <laughs> your eating skills. What was the next sandwich you wanted to tell us about? I mean, uh, that was. I just want to know how you feel about toppings on the bottom. That's like my biggest pet peeve. Oh. Like if they put like the lettuce or something yeah, yeah, on the, no, no, under no. the meat. No, 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 no. I bet that pisses me the tomato, fuck off. Tomato, onion, on all needs to be on top. There is... Uh, like a time and place for where a condiment can go on the bottom layer. And that's if you've got, a, like, f- for example, the other day I made myself, um, I, I got these uh, chicken sausage patties, which were really good. And I made myself two chicken sausage patties and I was throwing it onto um, a just a whole wheat, 100% whole wheat English muffin. Simple, delicious meal. And on the top layer, I decided to put three evenly distributed, like um, you know, thinly sliced dill, like not dill pickles, but like the the pickle rounds from uh, yeah, from I think Velastic pickles. I put three of those, and I put a simple layer of barbecue sauce on the top, and then I decided to put my hot sauce on the bottom. Okay, yeah, I could fuck with that. I'm, I'm I mean, good hot with sauce. That. You're not using the same volume as hot sauce as you would be like the barbecue sauce, so it won't make the bottom yeah, of the bread I, soggy. Yeah, that's just that's just the way I went for that's the way I went for this one. But yeah, typically speaking, it's all gonna be on the top. You put your lettuce, onion, tomato on the bottom. That is a that, that's an upside down sandwich, and I don't want the bottom bread on my top. So yeah, you you fucked it up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's my if I get a sandwich from somewhere and it's got fucking toppings on the bottom, like lettuce or tomato on the bottom, I look at it. And I just shake my head, and I just know I have no respect for the the person who put that sandwich. Together. Yeah, you almost you almost just want to like throw it back it's into the like store, a, be like take it back. Yes, yeah, so not even take it back. Just like you, dis- I just disappoint like a father, like disappointed in his son. I will not be shopping at this sandwich institution again. Exactly. All right. Any last tips in the food category as a steak cooking expert? Things you know, maybe other quick tricks you got for uh, healthy dinners. Good places to get sandwiches, other, you know, good recipes or concoctions, whatever you want to throw out there for the good people. Um, all right, so I just keep it simple with a meat and a veggie. Try and try and avoid those carbs as much as possible. I know we did the corn today. Um, but just like high heat, low time, fatty food, you're good to go. That, so that how often advice. do you barbecue for yourself? Is that uh, like- in the summer and when it's nice out this time of year? We do it a lot because you don't make dishes, and I fucking hate doing dishes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm cooking burgers, sausage, steak, chicken thighs. I fire that thing up all the time. It's just uh, it's just the way to go in the summer. And then in the, the winter, I just use a frying pan or I broil shit. Nice and simple. All right. So last topic that we're going to discuss, we're going to keep this one light and simple, mostly because I got a big bag of donuts in there that I want to get back <laughs> to, and they're still on my mind. And I knew if I ate too many donuts beforehand, I was going to be all sleepy and shit, so that wasn't going to work. So, you know, anyways, um, I really, I, I work in sales. You work in sales also. You've been in sales now how many years? Um like B2B sales about three years and then all sales about six years. Okay. You're working in sales for six years. What I really appreciate about sales is I'm not a naturally good salesperson whatsoever. Like there's no part of me that like, especially I was like highly socially awkward. I'm really kind of a a shy guy in my own way. Like everything that you kind I, I also, I hate rejection. I mean, I take rejection really personally, but what was really great for me in terms of working sales jobs is that there are certain mechanics of persuasion. There are a lot of people who are just natural to sales and they just kind of got after it and they'll just work their ass off. They don't care about rejection and they're just smile and dial and it's their natural disposition. And those guys did great. 
I was not naturally good at sales, which in some ways actually makes me better than other people because I really had to figure out the mechanics of it and kind of stick to the guidebook of like, hey, here's what it takes to make a sale. Um, and I, so like, in other words, my strategy with it, because I'm a little more introverted, is that it, it's more of like it, it, I had to study the technicals and kind of duplicate what, what worked for people who are naturally more extroverted. What I'm very thankful for is that a lot of the sales skills that I had were not natural to me. And so I find even outside of sales, I'm a lot more comfortable being around people. And I know this is going to sound a little bit weird and neg- negative, even though it's not. Um, I, like I can, I can better self-advocate, be persuasive, and kind of maneuver people so I don't just feel like I'm being taken advantage of. Like, hey, I don't want to go have new friends. Or I don't want to have new people in my life. I don't want a girlfriend. I don't want any of this because I know I'm a pushover. They're just going to walk on me, so I don't want people around. Whereas now I kind of have better skills for, hey, I actually think that this is what's right for both of us, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to self-advocate and I'm going to push for it. Um, and I think a lot of what like we learn as salespeople, which is both, you know, in terms of being persuasive and also just there's so many like even what I said at the beginning of the episode is, hey, if you're uncomfortable, they're uncomfortable. That's something that I had to someone needed to teach that to me. I didn't like that. That wasn't naturally, you know, what I mean, I wasn't naturally likable. That's not so, something that I knew. But I now I live my life by that. Like, I just know, hey, if I show up somewhere and I'm going to be weird, I'm going to I'm going to make the other people fucking weird. You know what I mean? So I'm wondering if uh, from your sales career, if there's any like, you know, simple principles or things that you've really taken from it that you're like, hey, I I think anyone in the world could benefit from this. You don't need to be in sales, whatever your job is, whatever you're doing in your life. I just feel like if you knew this piece of information, it would help you out. Uh, Ask a lot of questions. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like just get get whoever you're talking to talking, whether it's just like meeting someone at a party or you're trying to sell someone something or you're, you know, you're trying to get a girl to like you, whatever it is. You know, you just find out it's like getting intel. You're finding out as much as you can. And then, you know, you learn things about whatever the situation is, whoever the person is. And uh, I think in any situation um, that could be helpful, even if it's, you know, even if it's like you're you're talking to your parents about something, whatever it is, like just ask questions, uh, try and try and find things out. I think before really getting into sales, I'd make a lot of assumptions and like you, you want to fucking yourself, you know, you go to a client. And uh, you assume all these people don't have any any money. Like this is this is stupid. Well, I'm wasting my time. But but you ask questions. Oh yeah, I've, turns out I've got a you know a X dollar advertising budget every month, and I'd like to sp- to spend it all with you. And like oh, if I had just assumed and drove by this place or whatever, like uh, you know I went in and asked questions, and they gave a valuable piece of information, whatever it is. Yeah, that's huge. Um, one of the big things with asking questions, I would say it's two elements. Joey's now rejoining us, sales manager extraordinaire. So he will definitely have, you know, what to add to this. Um, but asking questions is two things. First is what you're saying, which is true. Sometimes you can get other people to show their cards first, where if you can find out what they're looking for or what's important to them, first thing you can start orienting your pitch around what their needs are. Um, and then they're going to be more motivated almost to hear their own language parroted back to them. Right. And that, that's true. You know what I mean? Or on the same note, like if you find out something's of zero interest to them, then you know, oh, don't make that a part of my pitch. Don't say that to them. That's what they hate. Right. Um, and obviously specific examples would probably help people understand this concept better, but I'm not that smart. I'm not that fast. And you know, we just ate steaks for dinner. So what am I going to do? Go, go read some fucking sales books. Uh, the other thing that's great about asking questions is that if you get other people talking, usually you can get them a little bit more excited, a little bit more engaged. And so even in that, then they're more open to being persuaded, especially if you're genuinely listening to them. Right. I mean, most people, you know, they want to hear themselves talk. I mean, you run into that, that odd introvert who like doesn't like talking and they like clam up, but you just kind of have to keep probing. But most people, you know, they're just glad to tell someone something about, especially if it's like the business owner themselves, you know, um, they've, put everything into their business so they want to they want to talk about it they yeah. want to tell you what's the other, up. if you seem genuinely interested and you are genuinely interested they'll, they'll tell you the other thing that's great about um asking questions and this is a big zig ziglar thing and i stand by it sales is a transfer of energy that's what it is i'm excited about like you know 
I'm excited about the idea of you and I working together. And if I can transfer that onto you, you're going to buy my product. Whereas, you know, it's like that old boiler room. Uh, there's a sale on every single call. Either you're selling them or they're selling you. Um, the, the actual full quote is you're, they're selling you on why they can't buy, whatever. But it's the same thing. It's like if a guy, tr- like a guy can convince me, hey, this product's not going to work for me. He's transferred his non-enthusiasm of, hey, this isn't going to work onto me. And I've accepted that. Joey, any, any thoughts on that before I move forward with this idea? No, I 100% agree. So the biggest thing is always agreeing. Like they want to talk, they want to hear themselves talk, but hearing a yes, right? Even when you can't do what they ask, just say, yeah, absolutely. So Grant Cardone. (laughs) Yo, Grant Cardone, which I don't like as a person, but I absolutely hate him as a person. Well, let me, okay, I got to go off this one. We're, we're a little bit, uh, we're, we're actually moving away from uh, what, what we were talking about, which was the getting somebody excited. But the yes, I agree trick is one of the greatest tricks ever. And it, in terms of like being manipulative, it's up there. But I promise you, this just works, which is if anyone comes to you in life, no matter what the fuck they, it literally doesn't matter what they say. They can come to you and go, hey, I think instead of uh, shitting into the bottom of the toilet, I'm just going to start shitting into the sink. I think uh, the <laughs> toilet keeps clogging. And if I'm shitting into the sink, um, the water, I noticed it, it runs a little bit better. And so I think it can just, it will go down there first. You will be more persuasive if the first words out of your mouth are, yes, I agree with you. But now is where you got to pivot. You got to go, I think we do have a problem with the toilet. But now in your opinion, the problem with the toilet clogging is the bathroom kind of stinks, right? And they go, yes. Okay, and now let's say you do shit into the sink and it doesn't quite just go down in the way you think. You think the bathroom's still going to stink, right? Yes. So maybe like, why don't we call a plumber, see what we can figure out with the toilet because almost everyone's shitting into toilets. It just makes more sense. But here's just, I I know that's a ridiculous, absurd example. (laughs) But here's the important part. The first words out of your mouth. It doesn't matter. Like I've had people come up to me at work with like the worst of criticisms. If the first thing you say is, yes, I agree with you, you just completely disarm them where they're like, oh, he agrees with me. And then you can move forward with totally not agreeing with them. Literally everything out of your mouth from there can be why what they said is the dumbest thing that anyone's ever said in the history of mankind and why if they're going to do it, you're going to quit the company. But if you start off with, hey, I think that's a stupid idea and I'm going to quit the company, whoever you're talking to is either going to go to a level 10 of rage and now you're in an argument. Whereas if the first thing you just say is, yes, I agree with you, you can now have a conversation about it. Well, Rob, I completely disagree with you. <laughs> to start. <laughs> However, no, but that's so true. Like the best example is a a receptionist at a hotel, right? So Grant Cardone uses this example where you walk in and they the receptionist gives you your room for your hotel, and uh, you they ask like, "Do you have any upgrades? Like, I want a suite." As a receptionist, if you say no, I don't, they're already they're already lost, right? But if she's like, well, give me a second. Let me see what I can do for you. Already knowing that there's no shot that you're going to get the suite. However, but if you give them like, let me see what I can do for you, they're already on board. Because at least um, they see that you're listening to them and that you want to make an effort. Yeah, you And that, that's a big part of it is like people understanding that they're being listened to. And if your first words are negative and shutting down what people have said, so you're building and starting confrontation. Exactly. So what I do in my sales job, I manage a sales team. We sell a membership as well as they pay money for other things. So they're like, let me waive the membership and I'll join. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let me see what I can do. Knowing 100% there's zero shot that this fucker right, there is, no waiving is a membership. zero membership. I was like, who the fuck you think you are? Like, you're, you're a nobody. So, but let me see what I can do for you, sir. And then I'm like, okay, nope, didn't work out. But I sell him on how good he is at his job. You see, that, that's interesting. Can I just tell you, because I worked the same job as you, and you were better at it every single pay period. But I'm still going to tell you how you can do your job better. Um, because, no, while I agree with you that, no. <laughs> the way I would handle I that totally objection. I understand where you're coming I would from, go, however. So I would go, so you see value in the leads, right? And you think if you got these leads, you can land a job. Now, what are one of these jobs going to make you? It's like ten grand. Okay, so you're going to let you're gonna, you're gonna let the 348 membership get in the way of that? Uh, well, and by the way, you know that the membership was also covering X, X, and X, so it sounds to me like that's a no-brainer. What was your credit card again? <laughs> You'd be like, yo, if this membership, if this service was free, would you join? 
They're like, well, yeah, probably. I'm like, okay, so you have no money. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, because then you can you can call out the objection, which is another important sales principle. But let's go back to asking questions. So asking questions is also good because part of what you're trying to get them to do is be excited because it's a transfer of energy. You want to transfer them onto them that this is a good idea. And sometimes if you can get someone just talking about their own product and believing in their product, then they're more likely to want to advertise it or expand off what they're doing because they kind of feel like, hey, what, what I'm doing here works. All right. Um, wait, hold it's all good. We fucking we drink. We 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 uh we're out here. Yeah, we're I mean, having a party. If you get them, uh, if you get them talking, they just wanna they wanna blab, and then you find out like, all right, this this is the the circumstance. This this whole you think of whatever product you have that could work, and then a good idea. Objections. This is what my sales manager. Objections melt away in the face of a good idea. The fucking ad nauseum. The motherfucker yeah. says this every sales meeting. He'll probably say it tomorrow. <laughs> um. So you can't get that idea unless you know the know what they're all about and then you could come up with something get good ROI. I'm not into uh a lot of like the um I don't have enough balls to do like some of the the tactics like just calling them out on not having money. I wish I did, but I always feel like I can't believe this is about to come out of my I have to like fight the resist like like I can naturally talk to people. I don't mind getting rejected. Um, but sometimes like my biggest hang up is like being afraid of coming off like a, like a huge asshole. You yeah. know what I mean? Like having I have a the problem, balls to say, I have a problem like that. with at my current sales job, the, the sales job that I used to have was with Joey and we sold a product and my outlook on that particular product, Joey, you got to go somewhere else for this phone call. What, what, what are we talking about here? Are we negotiating a sales deal live on air? Well, fantasy draft. Okay. <laughs> Highly important. <laughs> um, at that sales job, my outlook was there was two ways off the phone call. The guy was either buying or hanging up on me. There were no other options. Okay. And so if I pushed the guy till where he hung up on me, I did my job. It was one of two things. That's the Wolf of Wall Street That was, wa that was uh, a Wolf that of Wall Street name? method. Yeah. I'm just telling you, that was my method for selling that specific product because that product, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't expensive. It was $348, and if somebody saw value in it, it was, it was an urgency sale of that you're going to match them up with a customer immediately. And so there was no reason for them to push off that decision. They either understood what you were selling them and they could pay $348 for it, or they didn't, in which case you were going to talk to the next guy and no hard feelings. But it sounds to me like you're not the guy that I want to work with. You're not a person who can make quick decisions. Sure. Okay. And, that, and that was the vibe of it. My current product, I get a lot of, hey, I need a proposal. It's a much higher sticker price. Um, like while the product we were selling was 348 membership sometimes i'm i'm selling contracts that are at 10 grand people don't make $10,000 decisions in a single phone call no absolutely not and one of the best books i read on on selling it's called spin selling and he talks about how a lot of those quick sales strategies that exist in smaller sales they piss off more sophisticated customers so i have the problem which you have and the reason why you have it is because we work with a higher ticket a higher ticket item that people need like proposals and they need some time to make decisions and while it's important in sales to push people that's an element of it and sometimes playing hardball and pulling people out on their, their bullshit is what they need in order sure. to poke out those final objections and get people to make a decision um it's harder it's harder to walk that line with the with the products that we sure. sell yeah, and so, i don't have a solution on that so yet. i mean it really, bothers me the first call i'm just trying to get a face-to-face -face meeting where i can go in and ask them all the questions face to face. yeah the, the client needs analysis the cna do you do you do that uh no okay so you're just trying to let me send you this proposal are you doing face-to-face -face pitches or is this all, all over, phone all phone and email okay. all phone and the other thing is i gotta give my i'm i'm really good at email marketing okay and also what I kind mean, of subject I'm, lines I'm, do you do what? like what what do you what do you do with your trick with the subject line what <laughs> no i i don't say what's up sweetie um no what i do is in the emails i so throw it into their face why they're a perfect fit and why okay. we're doing targeted things with content examples that i mean they can just not ignore the email but if they look at the email it's very clear that we reached out to them with a purpose, and okay. the story is very concisely told. You know their business. That's oh, what yeah. they want to see. We're, yeah. we're, we're very... Oh, that's by the way, that's a good one that we just touched upon. Pre it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how we're just going to fumble into things. It's the same thing with women. Sometimes, like, when you go out with a chick, they just want to, like, are you are, like, are you into me for me, or are you just, like, do you, do you go out with, like, a ton of people and you're just trying to sleep with me? Businesses are the same way. When you exactly. talk to a business, they want to know that they're Degree special. Analogy. They want to know that you're not just calling up 95 different people because 
because they're looking for a sale. They want to know that you're calling them with an intention because you've they're special to you. You very specifically want to work with them, and here's why you specifically want to work with them. If they get the feeling like getting laid, that you just want to get laid, you just want their money, you're not going to work with them. So it's very important to be able to explain to people, hey, I'm very specifically talking to you. You're, you're special to me, baby. Right. You're, you're the only one. I've never, by the way, I've never used that once to get laid. It's never, like, that's never come out of my mouth ever. But I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, conceptually, you have to be able to convey that to people that, hey, I'm just not out here, like, playing the numbers, which you might be doing. Yeah, you probably are you if might you're be, working listen, in sales. You might be doing. I, in our case, in that, in, in my last job, you know, it was a lot more, I like to be, I like to be targeted personally because I, I just find it to be a little bit more efficient um and i i'm also i like like high value propositions um do you do like spec creative for people do you like will you make like a sample yes. ad read and send it yeah. over yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah they like that too because yeah. you put the time in and they yeah. saw like oh it could you know yeah we, we do a lot of that and then also i i, I pitch people on the phone I, I take phone calls and um i just try and get them talking about their marketing efforts and what they're looking to do and then i try and tell them why i think you know actually for certain products i know i have the absolute best way to share your story and get the word out there and then you just go into hey man here's a big one we were talking about questions and trying to get people to show their cards first one of my favorite questions is all right so it sounds like we're good on uh, getting moving on this um what kind of a if i get you guys your team a proposal um what kind of a budget do you want me to build a proposal you gotta around? ask for the budget that's you're what, dead in the water if yeah. you don't ask for the budget what's huge about the budget is that sometimes people come back to you and go hey the best i can get approved is twenty five hundred dollars other times they'll be like yeah we're looking at like a hundred k and right. if I didn't ask them that question, I would have sent them a budget for twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah, and you left I've money on the with, table. Yeah, because I've worked with ten companies that are around. So that's why that's an important question because you don't want to play your card first. Um, now, with that being said, I also think it's very important. Here's an, we're, all right, this might be the last sales principle I kind of throw out there. I think sometimes it's really important to be able to make decisions for other people to come at it like here i'm an, i'm an expert and here's what i'm recommending because i know that this is going to work right and to pull their hand and go no, no no i'm an expert we're doing this because it's going to work sometimes if you look to them like hey what do you think would work for you here it becomes that thing of like oh you like if i'm not if i'm uncomfortable they're uncomfortable so if i'm like hey is this going to work for you I'm putting it into their court of like, hey, is this a good idea? Where sometimes, I mean, you're fucking, I'm not going to say your company. You got to drag them across that fucking line. You got to make the decision for them and go, hey, we're doing this because it's a good idea. Right. That's well, why we're doing it. So the, uh, the the problem with sometimes the budget question is that you're the expert and I should be able to tell somebody, here's what you need to do to make money. And I've had people go, well, and they don't say it in those terms. They go, well, what do you recommend? Which is them looking at you and going, you're the expert. So sometimes... When I'm the answer is, I mean, here's the way I play it. If I'm talking to a massive company that has huge budget, I want to ask them first because I don't want to get them a small proposal. If I'm talking to a smaller company and I know that they're not sitting on, you know, a hundred k, then I'm then I'm saying, hey, here's the recommendation, and the recommendation is based off of campaigns that I've run to kind of know what the minimum is that I really think I can get some traction for them. Right. Um. Yeah. And you, you know, small. You can also. You can bill it like, hey, you know, listen, we work with companies of all sizes. It depends what your goals are. Yeah. Where your goal, if you're just trying to brand, yada, 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 you only need this amount. Yeah. Um, but I would say also, do you guys, you obviously probably poach from other podcasts or, or I'm sorry, other, yeah, you listen and you say, oh, I heard your ad where well, so-and-so. Well, so that's, that's a little bit limited um, in that so many of the... Some of the ads that are running are coming from the ad agencies. Okay. And I work with the ad agencies, so I, I, I like I, I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't wanna prospect their well, leads. Right, yeah. You can't call yeah. an agency client that piss them the fuck so off. So what I prospect a little bit more is if um and this is the last I'm gonna say on that I don't wanna give too much out. Um sure, sorry. But people should have a general idea of prospecting. Um but like I'll look for in like influencers in the same categories of my shows sure. in other media channels to go. Oh, I see that these people are playing, spending money on influencer marketing. So they un they've already bought into the idea of influencer marketing, and I already know that they're tr going for the same demographic as my shows. Right. So then, if anything, I feel like I, I work in tandem with that other thing because I just fit right. what they're already doing, and then I try and call them up and share that story. Um, which is, listen, the best leads are the people that are already bought the product from somebody right, exactly. else and also you're more often than not you're it's not like you're taking budget from the other people you just fit in with their general marketing strategy right, or you get them to add you know yeah exactly 
Uh, if you could convince them that they'll make money from it, they'll fucking add it. Yeah. You know, they'll take yeah, it yeah. somewhere else. 100%. They'll All right. They'll want two-ply toilet paper instead of the Charmin, you know? <laughs> so does anyone else have any just basic sales principles that you've picked up from working in the trade that even if you don't work in sales, you think could just, you know, basically benefit people? One. Don't be afraid to, like, fucking tell someone, you know, we're done here. Like, if they try and yes. fuck with you too much, like, I want this rate. It's, I got this rate from somewhere yeah. else. Like, sorry, we're not somewhere else. Like, it is what it is. We're sold out for the next 100%. Like, here's why that's yourself. Here's why like, that's... Without saying go fuck yourself. Here's, the, here's why that's the biggest thing, is that it, you... You make back that money on the next sale when you actually know, hey, I only want to work with people that work for me as well. Like, I, I, I'm not just work like, because the story that you're trying to say is, hey, you're special to me, and you make that true by when you get on a phone with someone and they're not a fit for you, you go, all right, you, you know what, you guys aren't a fit for me. And we do that. I've gotten, like, people call up, they want to advertise with us, and, like, I don't like their product or I don't think they're a fit for the show, so I don't, we don't do it. We, we, and we do our homework. Like, if something's not a product that I think I want to pitch to my audience, it's mostly been financial products, that there have been some financial products where I did my homework, and I'm like, eh, this really seems like it's going to be exploitive of my fan base. Right. I don't want it. Not even so much that, but even if it, even if it's something that would be a good fit, sometimes telling them like, "Look, that's it. I can't well, go any lower. Yeah, like take it or fucking leave it. It is what it is. I'll say on and that. Then, and yeah. then if they're gonna, if they're not gonna buy it, they're not gonna buy it. But at that point, like if if they're a potential candidate, a lot of times they'll say. Like, all right, like we got a deal. Let's yeah, here's it. the other thing. I, just in terms of pricing, I I'm a big fan of uh, one of my favorite sales books. It's Bob Berg's Bob Berg's book. I mentioned on the podcast more than once. Um, it's called Ah Shit. I'm gonna have to come back to it. I'll have, I'll tweet it out. It's the world's. It's a tiny book, and it's the world's worst book because it's just a dumb allegory of something that never happened and would never happen in the real world. But it was one of. It, it's all about basically pro, like just providing value for people. The way I like to price things are to me, what's the minimum at which this is worth my time? Like right. it, what? Like in other words, it, hey, like if I was trying to decide my hourly wage rate for um, consulting for you on your podcast, well, I'm thinking, all right, how many free hours do I even have in my week? How much? Like, what, what am I willing to even sit down for a person? You know, for a full two hours? Maybe it's fifty bucks an hour. At fifty bucks an hour, it's worth my time. I'm not thinking, hey, what's the max I can get from this guy? Like, if I quote him one twenty-five, will he pay me one twenty-five? I'm thinking, what's the rate at which, if I'm getting paid, I feel like, oh, this was worth my time. And then if I come in lower than what that guy wanted, that means I provided more value. And then to me, maybe this is like some dumb karma thing. I'm in the business of creating value. Like I'll always get paid on it. He'll recommend me to the next guy. And then my demand will go so up where I realize, oh, I'm actually worth more. And it's not worth my time to work for 50 bucks. And I'll start increasing it. But to me, the starting point is like on pricing is, like, where am I that I'm just happy with it? That I'm also, if I walk away, I don't feel like I lost something. Yo, you like, don't want to feel you know like you I mean? got fucking raped in the ass. No, I, I don't want to feel like I got raped in the ass, but also it's like, if, I, if I'm if i saying no, it's because I know that you've just dipped under where it's not worth it. I don't right, want to yeah, work there's on just this. Some people, it's not worth my there's time. There's some people that are going to take up so much of your time and be it's just as much of a pain it. in the ass where it, you're it's going to cost you money because you yeah. can't service your other clients i feel like you had something on this you can't go go prospects you're dealing with their bullshit yeah exactly and the other thing is you gotta think all right so what i tell my guys like make them feel dumb right so it's similar like just make them feel dumb for not doing what you want them to do but you also do that it's kind of like you know fear of missing out fomo right everybody has fomo like rob will text me he's like dude you should have came out last night we had the best time like fuck like why did i not go but if you do that like on the sales call and make them feel like okay if if i don't do this i'm gonna be missing out big time and i'm gonna i'm gonna be upset that i can't do it i'm gonna be disappointed in myself because you gotta think like everybody that we talk to now they're human beings right they're human beings they're like okay i don't want to miss out on anything if they're in sales which if you're trying to sell them but like they're also in sales like they don't want to miss out. So whatever you have to do to like make them feel like I'm not going to miss out on this deal. I'm not going to miss out. Somebody else is going to be better than me. Be like, okay, your competitors are, are with us. Like ABC, whatever. Like they're with us. What's up? Like if you say that to yeah. somebody, they'll be like, oh my God, they're with you. Okay, let's do it. Right. And then, yeah. Okay. Just to kind of wrap it up, because I feel like we've uh, framed a lot of this in, hey, how's here? You can man- Here's how you can manipulate people. So now I want to put- manipulating people. It's 
convincing them convincing them but i want to right i want to put it yes that you you said it the right way i want to i want to just put a more positive spin on this my my, one of my favorite sales guys his name is zig ziglar and zig says that salesmanship is one of the world's most noble professions because for example i could have the cure for cancer i can have it but if i can't go out there and sell people on hey this is something that you should invest in. This technology is worth you investing in because if you can give me X amount of money, I can go out there and cure cancer. You're never going to get that money. So salesmanship like is a that. certain trade in which we partner with people that have good products because we're the ones who can go out there and convince people that it's good products. And he says this, if it's not something that you 100% believe in, don't sell it. It's a Grant Cardone line where it's like, you know, they say don't push people. Hey, there's a car coming for you. I'm going to push you out of the way. And if you don't feel that way about your products, you shouldn't be selling it. It's not for you. Sales should be a noble profession where you know that you're going to be making people money or you're going to be providing people value. And since you know that, you're willing to push them into making the right decision. It's like being, uh, you know, like a health trainer. If I, I know that this is going to be healthy for you, so I'm going to push you in the direction of being healthier. I'm going to push you in the direction of working out. If you don't feel that way about your product, nobody in sales is telling you that you should work that job or that you should sell it. And at the end of the day, while some of these tools might sound like they might sound as if they're manipulative. The reason why they exist is to try and force people to make what you believe to be good decisions. Yeah. I mean, the products I like that I sell, I sell a lot more of than the ones. Yeah. When you don't like it. Well, that's why I left Joey's job. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because when you don't believe in the product, it's hard. It makes it so much harder. It makes it harder. And you just feel shitty. You do. And then you find you're doing more coke on your weekends. And you're drinking three beers convinced that people are going to murder you because it's just displaced ill feelings that you have to walk around with with all your time while you slowly get fat and jerk off to the point that you end up with a tit tear. And that's no way to live your life, people. Uh, You sound like you're speaking. from personal experience <laughs> listen I, yeah. I when you got here i thought you were going to be much fatter than you were well it's because uh, all the sandwich talk it's because i was recently sick so uh that okay. cut down some of the lbs and uh i work out an obscene amount which okay, um good like if you knew how much i worked out like both those figures are disgusting if you saw how much i worked out <laughs> then i'm st- then i'm still as chubby as i am you're almost like holy shit that's impressive and on the same note if you saw the garbage that i ate sometimes you'd be like I literally don't understand how you're not fat or slash what the fuck is wrong with you that you're that you're going to eat that after you just ate that. But, you know, that's why I'm single and I live alone and no one I, there's no one judging me. I'm good. You know, I don't have to tangibly feel. And as he goes for after I said that, Joey, Joey walked away in shame and got himself another double beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. God bless any any uh, any other closing remarks or things that you want to the sandwich related sales related just insights or information that you want to throw out there oh wait I had one last question for okay, you all right. I know that this is ADD okay Yosef no, co-host of the show okay just bought a home I rent and uh, I, 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 I wish I had I'd like to own a home one day I don't own a home but, but I fucking hate my tiny apartment and I hate being in the city and I'm going to deal with that at some point but for now it, 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 it whatever you know what I yeah it, Joey's looking it, it is it is what it is I'm curious to know uh, two questions. Firstly, when you bought this place, right after you bought it, did you run into any things that were like totally falling apart that you weren't aware of? Dude, well, I was bugging when I bought this house. I thought it was going to be like so much work all the time because it was a lot of work when we first moved in. There was like this nasty ass wallpaper that we tore down and this house is like 120 years old. Um, so it's got crazy ghosts. I, we haven't I mean, had any years. paranormal activity. It's like uh, I was like kind of expecting it. Um. Yeah, they there, just don't open up that. that there was like a weird ass outbuilding that they called. We bought. It, they're like, oh, that's the prayer room. So many kids got and rulers on their keep assholes. Like a, we just keep a bunch of like boxes in there, but I don't know what the fuck <laughs> they were using it for. I don't know why you need a whole extra building to pray. It's like some Epstein shit. If you ask me, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't pray in your home. You don't want God in your home. You got to go outside <laughs> yeah, to pray. Right? Yeah. Um. So, but anyway, I, I was bugging. It was a lot of work at first. I was ready to do the old Jewish lightning and just burn this shit down and get the insurance, but I'm glad there I did. Um, Is really, that called the Jewish lightning? Yeah, you never heard about the never Jewish heard lightning? Never heard that phrase ever. Yes, yeah, insurance fraud by okay. fire. It's called Jewish lightning. Uh, I always affiliated that with Goodfellas from that when they torched the restaurant, but okay, Jewish lightning, not they bad. They borrowed that from the Jews. Okay, that's a Jewish uh, scheme. People are going to listen to this episode and they'll be like, listen to these two Jews <laughs> talking about how to separate yeah, people send, from these money. S- someone send it to Owen Benjamin. He'll have a field day with this one. Uh, I'm not... Yeah, for the record, Joey's not Jewish, and he's, you know, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, yeah, okay, back to the house. I was bugging at first, but once we got settled in, 
been pretty good. We had a little water leak um, in the ceiling, like this pipe like corroded. But like luck, I'm lucky. Like my dad is like a real handy guy, so like he'll come uh, that's up. Cre- that's key. It's so clutch. That changes like, He'll everything. come up. He'll like teach me how to do it too. So if it happens again, I could take care of it. But I'll never be as handy yeah. as that fucking guy. He's that changes like, everything. He's like a MacGyver. Yeah. So um, I wish I had that skill. That's such a manly skill. Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's out. Of, he's out of your prospecting. Yeah. Um, well, that doesn't mean he doesn't need to have a license. Do he doesn't need to have a license in here. He doesn't. He's need a license not in, in a New York. trade like that. But he does. He's just like handy homeowner guy he but you know basically i just mow the lawn i love mowing the lawn i got a little snapper lawnmower i'm all about go. it 14 and a half horsepower fuck yeah it's, it's legit um i cut it yesterday how dare you, you fucking insulting how my lawn right now, motherfucker? how no, dare you look at the the Come man's on. lawn and you point out how uneven it is for a guy Listen, who this, just cut it this section Clearly smoked weed before he got started i mean patches that looks like <laughs> the comb over i used to have on my head Listen, this this area is like kind of weird but if you go on the side lawn and look at that that looks like fucking yankee stadium it's right. legit it, um, it, it's beautiful i i appreciate you having this over <laughs> i appreciate the feta steaks i appreciate that even though we sat down for a formal meal we ate it at my pace Everybody within five minutes. Oh, like, I'm we about did that. it. That's why I like Asian food that you fucking go in and yeah, like, it's done. You're, you're you don't like, got a way to bring pork. it out. Salad, soup. We made it happen. Course, if every person in the world sat down for a meal the way we just ate it, I would I would have no anxiety about like going out to someone's house for dinner. I'd be like, okay, so you're gonna put it down. And we'll be we're all gonna stuff our faces and move on with our days. Perfect. That's how I. Yeah, yeah. that's the way to do it. That is 100 percent the way. That's to why do I like it. steak too. You, yeah. If you don't eat it fast, it gets cold. It's not it's as a good. quick eat. Yeah, yeah, like motherfucker, eat that thing. It's going cold. I want to get back to my video game. All right. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for hosting Thank us. Thank you. Uh, uh, welcome any, anytime. Any closing remarks? All right. There you go. All right. Yeah, no one can hear you because you don't have a microphone. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Good night.